0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome Hello. to Bass Podcast, episode what I think is now 10. I think it's 10. How about that? We made it. <laughs> all 10 fingers, My all mom. of them. Count them. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, we're really excited today. We've got uh, a special uh, guest with us today. Carson, you want to tell him? Yeah, them? we've got Mr.
1: Dave Hartley from War on Drugs and Nightlands. Nightlands, yeah. Uh, Grammy Award winning bass player. Uh, and then songwriter for Nightlands. Yep. Um did you engineer Nightlands stuff too and mix it?
2: Yeah, yeah. Man. Yeah, it's kind of kind of a, kind of a one man, you know, thing. I love with, that. Keeping that, in that hand. perspective. Yeah. Yeah, I like doing all that stuff. We
1: will uh we will definitely jump into that later because I've been listening to that kind of on repeat for the week because Awesome. uh your latest album is just so freaking good and i was listening to it too being like this doesn't sound like a one-man record this doesn't sound like this is it's polished it sounds Mm -hmm. i don't know the opposite of rushed i don't it just sounds great well thank Um, you yeah man we have a criticism on this that like i freak out like every time we interview interview people (laughs) that i love and i'm like uh Hey, welcome to the podcast. Okay. Uh, what's your social security though? Yeah. Like, right? It just skips any, like, how are you?
2: Yeah. yeah. Hey, let's do it. I love it. So,
1: like, I mean, that's, that's, how are you? Yeah. How's let's it back up. How's how are your day you?
2: going? I'm doing well. Yeah. It's, uh, it's fun to do this base centric thing with you guys because I'm kind of in, i've been a very non-bass uh mode right now just with i'm um, you know i'm in dad land with my kids and i'm also yes. doing a lot of music that is non um bass related so it's fun nice. to put uh my bass hat back on and and be reminded that that's like the main thing i do because <laughs> yeah. sometimes when i'm taking the kids to school and i'm right now i'm scoring a film and there's almost no bass on on that uh anywhere in it so it's like sometimes i forget oh yeah the number one thing that you do with your life, uh, profession. <laughs> play bass. So yeah. it's good. It, I've been. I looked over the rundown of questions. I was like, yeah, okay. I got to dust up on the gear.
1: Right. Yeah. I so, have. That, I have that issue. I do that to yeah. people. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, we can nerd.
2: We can nerd out about it for sure. It's
1: the old deep
0: dive. But. How uh-huh. often are
2: you uh, doing scores? This is my first one. Yeah. Oh, so awesome. It's, nice. Yeah, it's my first one, and uh, I've done some stuff. Um, for some commercials and a couple, a couple uh, spots for films before, but this is my first entire score. And it's been uh, uh, in- an interesting challenge and learning experience for sure.
1: Yeah. I did as a student project, I went to a film school and I did one, actually I did two scores and they were fine. Cause they were student things, but I still consider them massive failures. So I know <laughs> you pay. <pain. laughs> well, you know,
2: I feel like, that's i mean the, i feel like we all look back on everything we do with a very critical lens you know sure and that i, th- I think if you look back at something you did and you're like that was perfect <laughs> like something's probably wrong with you yeah, no yeah. wrong business you know yeah. what i mean it's like yeah. we just we pick apart our our past achievements and in our past work you know probably pretty relentlessly right
0: yeah i'm so. I'm with you man totally yeah. Um, yeah. Have you, uh, have you, been, so I guess you've been home recently. You haven't been out on the road too much as of late.
2: Yeah, we, we did a, we pretty much wrapped last fall. We did a couple shows, uh, in December, but yeah, we're taking some time off. Um, after we did 110 plus shows last year, Jeez. which sounds like a lot, but it was actually even, it felt like 200 shows because all the covid restrictions and getting covid and then uh we did a lot of international shows so tons of flying and stuff so we and we're nice. we're getting up in the years a little bit uh nice. as a band like we're all in our 40s and so we were pretty banged out and uh exhausted and uh so we're taking a little a little breather before we get back into it this spring and summer
1: you nice. uh uh, reading some of the, some of the stuff about Nightlands as a project, uh-huh. or I'm not sure yeah. if you refer to yourself as a night like a character. No. <laughs> no. Uh, Nightlands as the project. Um, I was reading. You you try to release between War on Drugs albums. Is that still a thing? Um,
2: it's not it, that I try to do it. It's just that I'm not one of those people that can sit in a hotel room on tour and with a guitar and write an album. I have not say that. And I'm just like very impressed. I'm always I I'm impressed slash jealous slash angry. We have a guy in our band, Anthony, and he's he takes his guitar in his room and he's like, "I wrote three songs today." I'm like, "Fuck you!" <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. like, "I don't work when I'm working usually." <laughs> I know,
2: <exactly>. I'm <laughs> <It's> exhausted. <tough. laughs> I watched five episodes of Mad Men or whatever. Yeah, you know, I was gonna say
0: like
1: uh, nonstop ridiculousness in a hotel room or like some other like. Non-stop running MTV show that's just garbage. Oh, totally. Every time I travel,
0: I mean, dude, that that hotel time—it's so like sacred yes. on tours. It's it's uh-huh. tough to kind of give that to not like decompressing because it, it, you know if and if writing is your decompression, I guess that's a good thing, but. Just like when you you do the morning load-in, you do everything, you do the sound check, you take care of mm-hmm. it, and then you go to the hotel, you're like, this is my time. I'm not on yep. a bus that's like droning a generator. Mm-hmm. I yep. have space, I can go to, a, uh, I can take a walk and go to the gym, whatever. Gym it's like, that's your time. Us,
2: yeah. yeah, gym is the main, just because from a physical like maintenance standpoint, mental yeah. maintenance, we, you know, I think most of us try to get down to the gym just to like stave off the, the crazies. Mm. But yeah, so to answer your question, I don't, write much on the road. Occasionally I'll bust out, you know, a voice memo of something I'm working on, but most of the time it's until I'm home and then I have some months of free time and then I start the gears turning and and crank something out. So cool. it has happened that in in most of the War on Drugs records have been a year or two in between at least. So that's it's just kind of the sort of cycles have sort of lined up in that way. But you know, every, every every album, I every born drugs album cycle, I'm like, I'm gonna write this time on tour, and it's, so far it's never happened really.
1: Yeah, is it harder to get in that creative space now that you have kids or now that I'm not sure how long you've had children, but like, is yeah. that a thing now with your home studio that you have to be more intentional or?
2: Yeah, yeah, intentional is a good word. Um, it's harder in some ways. Um, time management is huge, but I mean, on okay. the on the other hand. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever been like unemployed with an open expanse of time in front of you. That's not actually the most creative headspace to be in. Because yeah. I've been there. That's kind of, that was kind of a turning point in the war on drugs existence is Adam and I were co workers at this property management place in Philly. And, you know, the band was quite young and we were, you know, just a young band and we both got laid off and we both got unemployment. And, that's when the band actually kicked up a gear because Adam was uh, able to really focus on uh, making records. And that's when nightlands came into existence. But, but you know, that often equals like depression and mm-hmm. substance abuse for artists. Actually, mm-hmm. if you're like, here's uh here's three years of, of time and you don't have to do anything. You know, you would think like out of that comes like pet sounds and, and shit, but yeah. necessarily you need structure, you need limitations, you need deadlines accountability some i think all that stuff really helps the creative process so
1: yeah i'm the same way and everyone seemed like society as a whole like i'd see something go around facebook or something that's like think of all the great albums that are about to come out of covid and that's probably true for like some artists but for me i was like i'm just staying up every day worrying if i'm gonna die tomorrow like i I don't have any bandwidth for a
2: Making a song. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Where are the COVID albums? I mean, I guess every album is a COVID album at this point, but sure. no, I think you make a good point. And, you know, mm-hmm. there was speculation is like, are, is the next wave of great American novels going to come in the wake of COVID? And it's like, no, because everybody was neurotic and, yeah. you know, it's not a good. Like, stay in your house indefinitely is not necessarily a good, like, creative headspace. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Um, the, the, especially the indefinite part. Like,
2: yes. It's yeah, like, yeah, how you know, am I no supposed idea? to do
0: like, I didn't know I was going to have months to yeah. dig in. It's like, if I, so I would have been like, hey, you're going to have like four months to like really kick your yeah. heels down and like put some stuff down and be like, oh, great. But like, right? it, it just wasn't like that. Yeah.
1: If we knew yeah. how long we had, that might have yes. been different. But yes. we're like, has society
2: collapsed? <laughs> right. <Yes>. Uh, <laughs> yes. Should I be buying more beans and rice? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Beans. The apocalypse? Buying the beans. Stockpiling water.
1: Dried well, beans, yeah. Yeah. Remember the dried beans, <laughs> the <dry laughs> beans <it>. phase?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's funny. I guess that kind of gets into my next thought of was COVID an opportunity for you in your gear hunt? I saw hmm. a lot of oh. realms that like people stress sold things. Mm-hmm. Did you mm-hmm. accidentally sell something or did you take the opportunity and be like, oh dude, somebody's selling this for like a deal? Like go right. grab
2: I didn't sell anything, that's for sure. Nice. Uh I mean, it's tricky because we had, so I have a four-year-old and we had another kid during COVID. We bought a house and I built this studio. So I definitely was not downsizing, uh, you know, collecting, collecting. yeah, but not, you know, more just like putting down roots here. We moved down to Asheville um, where we bought a house and I built this studio and um, made some records, um, you know, laced through that all was, yes, the the Crippling paranoia that you reference, but <laughs> yeah, but we were also making albums and yeah, make, buying gear for sure. Always,
1: do you guys are you guys separated across? Like, I know you started out as like a Philly thing, are you guys yep. now pretty spread out?
2: Yeah, pretty scattered, yeah. Okay. We have a couple, a couple in LA, um, we got a guy in Ohio, I'm down here in North Carolina. We've you know, there's only a couple in, in Philly now, so
1: so that. Yeah probably made it semi easier because you're kind of used to a spread out or, you know, navigating that artistically. I don't know.
2: Yeah. It was interesting because historically Adam loves to get everybody in a room Mm -hmm. or get, or get groups of people in a room. He loves to like make little combos and, and summon us to LA or wherever. And that's really fun. But it was, this was the first time where we embraced remote recording ever Mm -hmm. really. I think there was nice. a a bias against remote recording. Mm-hmm. This idea that we couldn't really capture magic if we weren't in the same room, and it was really fun for me to do the, some of these bass lines mm-hmm. re- remotely. Because I, I, you know, I love to just sit. There's, I mean, you, you guys can maybe can relate to this, but there's an obsession with bass, specifically with the control room recording, mm-hmm. which is really fun. And I kind of came of age in this you know, era where you'd put the drums in the live room, mm-hmm. do some takes. And then the bass would be in the control room and, and it becomes kind of a performance. Everybody likes to watch you because mm-hmm. you're just sitting right there by the desk. And that's really fun, but I'm not sure that it always gets the best results because you start performing for the people in the room instead of for the song. Um, so I love just sitting in my studio, um, just dialing in a baseline. Yeah. And I've done a lot of stuff like that mm-hmm. since the pandemic people have, the pandemic has been very fruitful for the, you know, remote recording thing, which was obviously already happening, but now it's really, you know, it's been, it's the norm now.
0: Yeah. Are you, are you the type of guy that likes to workshop for a while? Like, like, would you take hours workshop in this line? Like, like I'm talking hundreds of takes, like, are you that kind of guy yeah. that enjoys that process?
2: Sometimes it depends. Nice. There are, there's this, there's a uh, I don't want to wait, which is on the new drugs record. Which that's a bass line that like I basically composed over a few days. You know, that's awesome. We just uh, Adam sent it to me and he was like, I want like a he he sometimes he really is like I want like a prominent bass part on the song. Mm-hmm. And by the way, sometimes he writes the bass part. He there's a couple of bass lines in our catalog that he that I get credit for. People are like, wow, that's an incredible bass line. Like, Adam wrote it. You know, he told me yes. exactly <laughs> what to play, like, with in no uncertain that's terms. Yeah. There's a couple like that. He's got such a head for melody across different instruments. But um, but yeah, you know, there's, but there's also some stuff that where the first or second take is just uh, has this spontaneity or tentativeness, which is something I don't yeah. think people talk enough about in music. Mm-hmm. I think. tentativeness can be something really good. You don't always want everything to be like completely confident and mastered because maybe that's not the emotion of the tune. Maybe the song is more delicate and you want a tentative part where you're like not exactly sure what the next chord is going to be. So you're you're sort of, you know, listening really hard and that's like an awesome emotion to convey. So sometimes, you do that on the you capture that on the first or second take, and from there it's diminishing returns, and you just sound too confident, or it sounds too clever, or something like that. But so it varies from song to song. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, how are you guys doing the remote recording thing? Was it like Dropbox back and forth, or was it some weird like streaming Zoom thing?
2: No, I don't, we've never done anything like that. I know you can. I know that technology is out there and there's like screen sharing and there's right. some software where you can essentially do virtual sessions.
1: Seems complicated.
2: Yeah, sounds, <laughs> sounds complicated <laughs> for me. Yeah, we just do Dropbox. Yeah. Cool. Just nice. old school. Yeah. Old I, school. Uh,
1: I was very lucky. I play for an artist named Abby Hamilton and uh-huh. we, uh, We've been waiting, you know, all, all the stuff was finally aligning. We we're going into studio working with um, my friend Dwayne Lundy, who we've had on the podcast, who's an insanely great producer. Uh-huh. Um, and I liter- I packed up the car and I like was driving and I'm going to the studio to finally do the parts that I've been practicing, you know, whatever. And in the car, I get the call that starts like, Hey man, uh just so you know, I have covid. Oh and, no. And it's like you know, it's it's one of those moments that you've been waiting on forever and I was able to just go, you know, they were so nice and gracious that I just went in my little bedroom studio, plugged into my Apollo and it was great. Yeah. But yeah. you know, I got to experience that first remote recording thing kind of by force because um, yeah. they could have thrown a rock and hit a bass player as good as me. It's just the difference in, you know, I'd put my time in the band right then and and sure. I was just thankful I could do it. But yeah, yeah that's the, awesome. re- the remote recording thing is weird because like you're saying, the spontaneity, there's something really important about that. I do think you hear that a lot in vocal takes where there's mm-hmm. a real like that first take magic thing that sure. happens a lot. Um, but yeah, I, that's that's super interesting how you guys... Did that? um yeah. Do you think you guys will do it again?
2: Probably a mix, you know. Yeah. Um, we've already started doing a little bit of uh, stuff, bouncing some files back and forth. Um, Adam's got some new songs that he's working on, and I've done a few things here. But I'm sure we'll be getting together as well. Nice. Um, he he built a, an incredible space out in LA, so uh, I'm sure we'll be hanging out there, working together. Nice, recording, yeah. So but it is nice to have that remote uh re- recording like you know feather in your hat to to for when you need it cuz not everything needs to be uh, um you know I think there's this like fallacy in in music that I've been like rolling around in my head for the last few years like when you're young and you're starting music you feel like everything everything good has to be created in this like lightning strike of inspiration like you're, you know like your girlfriend just dumped you and then like you sit under a tree and a rainbow appears and then like this lyric pops into your head and then wow. like you find the yeah. guitar and you record it and it's like maybe that happens once in a while but most of this is like hard work and just cr- like kind of showing up yeah. and just doing the work every day and you know punctuated by these maybe cosmic moments but a lot of it is just like craftsmanship and work and taking pride in the way you do things and kind of like a little bit the, the boring shit right so i feel like remote recording kind of falls under that where it's like it's just practical and it's just you can do good work you can do more work you can put more hours in. like sometimes you just need more time to work on something so and your time um, too
0: that's the difference my, it's your time
2: my time and my kids time you know it's yeah. like i don't i don't always have the luxury of flying out to you know, to LA for a few weeks, even though it's really fun and it's great to see my friends, but sometimes the kids need to go to summer camp or whatever. And they need to to drop them off and I can clock in at like 8 PM in my studio and work for a few hours. So,
0: yeah, that's awesome. Well, I think that's a, a decent little bit of a, of a slope to get us into maybe what's your at home gear go-to right now even if, if maybe it's for for like just a demo apart maybe it's for like to cut apart for the record like what what do you uh, what's your go-to i'ma start here as far as signal chain
2: uh it would be the noble preamp um into <laughs> uh i have like a pacifica um uh preamp as well
1: yeah it's, that, that's like 1073 ish it's yeah, like,
2: it's real it's real high fi, real transparent. Yeah. Um, it's real fast, um as far as transient mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then usually like a distressor or something, real nice. light compression. I try to I try to be really gentle with the compression just because specifically with bass, is will often be compressed like four or five times between the yeah. time you play it and the time people hear it, you know, yeah, yeah. so I try to be gentle with the first pass because it will be compressed by the engineer both on, on, the on the track and in the mix bus and then mastering and maybe sometimes twice or three times in any one of those stages. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, pretty simple, just a noble. Um, but I, you know, I do bounce around with DI's. I have this ready tube DI that I was using for years. All the drugs stuff on the last record was, was the ready tube. Nice. Uh, I think that's how you say it. Right. which is actually the same uh designer, I think, as the Pacifica. Mm-hmm. It's A designs. A designs, yeah. They make great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um I've done a ton of stuff with the Sansamp. I mean, that's probably my most used piece of gear in my life. Which is one this, is it? It's like a nineties uh the black one. First first generation black sansamp stomp box. Nice. Um Cool. Which I absolutely love, and I actually recently went back to that for live. I've I've used a million DI's live. I'm always my our front house guys just like laugh at me because I'm like I'm gonna switch over to this one tonight. Um, (laughs) But um, Dark Glass makes killer DI's. Oh, cool. A bunch of those. I have one. Actually, I pulled some pedals out. People can't see these, but um, there's this Alpha Omega Uh DI that I love that Dark Glass makes. then uh walrus audio makes this killer di called the bad water that i nice. love um and jhs makes this color box that is is it's more of a guitar pedal um you know it has kind of like a like a neve channel strip sort of character to it but you can get really wild um tone and 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 uh fuzz with this thing Mm
1: -hmm. it clips uh, like a like the console thing
2: it clip and it clips easily too yeah i mean it's more if you want to get that like almost tactile sort of top end with like fuzzy clippy sound like that jimmy page right into the Mm -hmm. desk sort of sound or lindsey buckingham right into the desk sort of sound Mm -hmm. but it's really good for bass as well because it has this eq on it that's fun Mm -hmm. um But the only thing that's uh, interesting about
1: that one is that like it clips, it's like, I don't know if this was a compressor or whatever. It's like, it clips like that. It's not necessarily like a gradual to be whatever. It's like you hit it and it's like, boom.
2: Yeah. Brick wall. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's fun for sure. And it's a good tool to have it for guitar, vocals, drums, whatever. So I love this one. So
1: you, you went back to the Saints I think in your rig rundown, you had the RNDI at the request of the front of house guy.
2: Uh, Which one's the RNDI? Remind me. That's the Rupert Neve. Uh, I don't know oh I yeah. See. The Rupert Neve. Yeah. Yeah. I love that one. That one. Yes. That was a front of house guy. We, it's again, we just kind of always t- chasing DI sounds. It's, it's interesting. Cause like, I love the noble for, it's probably my go-to for the studio right now, mm-hmm. but um, but we we're playing on this last run specifically in Europe. These like ginormous rooms, like they were like sports arenas, and you're essentially putting like a, it'd be like an approachable session if you just like put a 25 second decay reverb on bass all the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. So you're just battling this like wild decay and mm-hmm. slapback. Or, you know, so what you're looking for in a DI is actually something very different than what you would want probably in the studio. So we were always chasing like what our front of house guy, Matthew, and his 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 friend Bob, um, there are two front of house guys over the past few years. They would always ch- they called it fast. They're like, Oh, that DI is really fast, which I never even oh, thought that's about.
1: That's a good that. way to say it. Yeah.
2: Basically, essentially like the transient is so defined and so much mm-hmm. definition on the yeah. sound and stuff like that, which I never even I was always going for like a James Jamerson, Paul McCartney, really, you know, kind of thumpy sound.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's if, hard if to mix.
2: Live, yeah, if you got a thumpy sound and you're in like a, a hockey arena or something, mm-hmm. it's just you know. So they're always yeah. like there's plenty of whoop woof woof in those rooms already, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um Could So you remind
1: me, are your cabs mic'd up simultaneously? Okay.
2: Just one, no just yeah, we mic the cab, one cab. We have there's one cab with two heads mm-hmm. uh which is partly for aesthetics but also right. because uh it's awesome. It, aesthetics. It's it looks cool but you know, you do backup with in case one on the off chance that one goes down um yeah. so
1: And I, I do want to come back to that cuz I have recently acquired an SVT. Um but it it's interesting with the the Rupert Neve DI. I actually I have a noble on my board right now. Um, nice. And this weekend I was hired for something, and I was like, I've just been missing some definition. I don't I don't reach for flat wounds a lot. Now I do in the studio. I think flat wounds uh-huh. are really great in the studio. Uh-huh. Um, I'm kind of a dead round wounds guy usually, and mm-hmm. I feel like that plus the noble for me especially when I'm using in-ears it gets it gets kind of hard to hear the definition or whatever and I end up maybe overusing EQ or something yep. else to compensate and so I just like I'm not going to use uh I'm not going to use an EQ or anything this weekend I'm going to do the Rupert Neve DI and I uh-huh. was very uh very pleasantly surprised nice. at how much I liked it Oh it's, cool it's funny how back and forth, but interesting enough, I had uh, Jack from Noble mod my Noble because I would never use the high pass filter. Because um, some, huh. guy, some guys, it rolls off way too high to me. I agree. But then people would like juice the bass.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, it's so, like t- a key curve or something.
1: Yeah. And Booger. it would kind of run it that. a little bit more. Um, when you're really, really, I mean, almost maximum bass, it kind of does. Oh, that's interesting. Overdrive isn't maybe the right word, but it does something to it. That's, that's cool. cool. I gotta try sauce. that. Yeah, sauce. But I sauce. Yeah, <laughs> I had to mod it to that. The high pass filter was at like sixty hertz, so it's like, like that. Sh- just yeah, the woofy just- part. And so I almost leave it engaged all the time now. Oh, that's cool. It feels kind of like a cab
2: because uh-huh. that's
1: what you know. Your cab's just gonna roll that off too. Um yep. And I found it made the noble a lot more. I don't know. I was into it for a lot longer because of because of that. Okay. Especially if I'm in a room that's that's really boomy, like you said. Or like yep. maybe the front of house guy, I don't feel like he's being as attentive to the low end as he should. Mm-hmm. I'll just mm-hmm. click that on, the whole room tightens up and it's it's great. Suddenly nice. you can hear yourself. Um got but the, that's got the mod, dig it. I know, yeah. So hit him up. I'm super into the direct Console sound that I have like a 1073, you know, rip off like everybody has, or I should say rip off. It's great, it's a clone, a clone, clone. Yeah, uh, uh, the nice term, and I love going straight into it with my bass. I think that might be my next thing is to try to figure out some like legit pedal board situation with a 1073 in it. Yeah, I don't know for live at least. Like, I'm just, yeah, I yeah. need that I clarity see. so that I can kind of ditch EQ as much as I can.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, I dig that i i would that's a sounds like a worthy dragon to chase for sure let me know hits. what you find it never does you think you, think you settled on something and then you just you get like an itch and you start tweaking and you yeah. you just start changing things up for sure in a
1: year i'm gonna be like man i just really want uh i just really want that tube sound and <laughs> And then yeah. I'll have to wait half a year for another noble.
0: Yeah, just don't sell it. <laughs> that's, just don't get rid of it. We gotta we're gonna be collectors. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, never sell
2: anything. So it's, it's a lesson I've learned.
1: That's are you a rebuyer as well from the things you have regretted selling? <laughs> do you uh well, I haven't sold I, that I much? I think stuff. I bought five sans amps. In my time. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. I saw my original one. It's, and it's, oh my God, it's beat to shit. It's so, I've had, that thing has thousands of shows on it. And that's awesome. I that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's, I wish I had, I don't have it now because it's on my pedal board in storage in LA, but it's, uh, that thing has a lot of miles on it. And there's, a, mm-hmm. I, I don't sell much stuff because of the few things I've sold, I'm just like, oh, I shouldn't have sold that, you yes, know? Yes,
0: every time.
2: Every, Every time, time. it's crazy. I mean, I'm sure there'll comes a day. I mean, and, and actually that I do trade a lot of gear. There's a killer music store here in Asheville that I'll just take stuff down and see what they have and we'll swap, swap nice. stuff. Um, but I but yeah, I mean most of the time I, I just I regret selling it and and it's partly because values and prices have gone apeshit lately. Yeah, you know, sheesh. I I sold my pass game three eighty eight, you know, those those uh consoles with the integrated quarter inch tape. Oh, right, um, sure, yeah, yeah, they're 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 awesome. They're really mm-hmm. cool. I, ma- I made my first two Nightlands records on this machine, and then when we were moving to Asheville, I was like, "Ah, this thing's so heavy; it needs a lot of maintenance." Mm-hmm. I'm, I don't use it that much anymore, and I sold it to a buddy for like eight hundred bucks or something. And those things are outrageously valuable. Yeah. Just a few years later, so anyway,
1: and when you mix in the box and that tape thing, you notice. Oh this stretched time a little bit. Oh mm-hmm. it's yep. not very grid friendly.
2: Yeah, I mean I mean I could talk at length about the things I like about that machine or tape in general although I don't use tape anymore very much, but my main I just think vary speed is it's kind of the one thing that I I mean I know that Pro Tools you can vary speed and I and I do actually I vary speed quite a bit with Pro Tools but just having a switch like you can literally be sitting there recording. You're not looking at a screen. You're playing stuff. You just flip a switch on the machine. All of a sudden, it slows way down, and you you just like sounds underwater, mm-hmm. and you have this whole new perspective on the track. And then you can track on that a little bit, speed it back up.
1: Is that you what know? very speed means when you're like manipulating it, like like you would a tape machine or?
2: Yeah. I mean, that's literally what's called on my, on my 388. I still call it my 388. I haven't owned it for years. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a very speed in pro tools as well, uh, which I use all the time. It's just not nearly as smooth and there's, you get digital artifacts and stuff. There's a different character to it for sure. But, um, but I still use it and it's, you know, just cause and I, you know, I, I just, maybe someday I'll get back into the tape, but for, for my life right now, it's not very practical.
1: Totally.
0: Yeah. Well, I say we keep rolling with the gear. Let's talk bases. Yeah. Let's talk yeah. let's talk flavors. Let's talk. Let me ask you this. What's something that you've got your eye on? Like what's the last thing that you yeah. thought? Oh, dude, if I walk in the store and it's on the shelf, I'm I'm leaving with it.
2: Um, definitely a hollow body of some kind. Oh, cool. Probably either a Hoffner that I don't own a Hoffner for some reason, even though I've played a lot of Hoffner on record. Um or at least two records ago, deeper understanding. We recorded a lot of that at Boulevard in LA, which is this cool studio that recently closed, unfortunately. Um, but uh, the guy, Clay, who owned that place was like a beetle fanatic, like mega beetle head. And he yeah. had everything he had was, would be like period specific to various Beatles stuff. And he had, like a sixty six or sixty five Hofner was exactly like Paul's. Oh, that's cool! And oh my God, it's it was so good. Played that on a bunch of stuff. Um, there's also a bass. Have you guys seen the? Uh, it's an H twenty two by uh, by Harmony. It's like a sixty seventies. They they were kind of junky and and really yeah. cheap. They're these big hollow body bases, mm. and but people have are people are hip to them now because they're very pricey. Um, if I saw an H twenty two in a in a music store, I'd probably just grab it.
0: So you, um, you, you're you into like just that whole vintage hollow body, big woofy moomy, cool thing, or it's maybe not know, in your
2: arsenal yet. I just don't have it, and it, they just record really well. I've noticed that my experience with hollow bodies. If you get, you know, the, the Guild has a, I think it's called a um, Starfire, is yeah. the hollow body the Guild makes. And they're um,
1: remaking it too, and apparently, are they're they? really nice still?
2: Yeah. Oh, I should check that out. Um, yeah, something about them—they record. They I, I, mainly like when you get up past the like ninth fret, even on mm-hmm. the D and G string, that gets pretty thin usually on most el- electric basses. Mm-hmm. And it—it's almost like bassier. It on sings. The hop. Yeah. It's like, woo, like and you can hear that really yeah. on like Beatles records when when Paul's up really high. It's like has this really wild. Uh, bassy character to it that I've been chasing like my whole life and if I ever find a bass and you know you're in the store and it does that I'll just definitely just grab it
1: that's cool uh, I uh here's my my shameless plug hang on <laughs> <do it>.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got one oh, yeah. of these the other day um it's a 60s K um yeah. it's like five nine, I don't know it's a it's like a catalog base. Um,
2: uh-huh. but that looks man, like that. the harmony looks a lot like that.
1: It's like you get all these manufacturers that just like stick all these different logos on them, but like the logos off this, um, because there's a logo here and it's missing a pick guard. So I talked the guy uh-huh. down a lot, but like the resonance is just yeah, because I wanted a Hoffner too. I uh-huh. and I think Hoffner's have like a block in the middle,
2: it's uh-huh. like maybe yeah. not
1: fully hollow. and I got this expecting the block and it's full hollow instead. Wow! And I don't know, it's dope. Yeah. (laughs) So I held it in front of my amp quite a bit. It does, but like not... Not too bad. And I thought I was going to have to switch the pick guard out too. Or
0: sorry, the pickup. And it sounds Mm -hmm. beautifully muddy. Yeah, it sounds awesome. It records
1: really great. So yeah, definitely.
0: It's funny because what a cool like bass to have and record but what a terrifying bass to put in a touring situation
2: i know yeah (laughs) i probably wouldn't take it out maybe i would we'll see i I could see the front of house guy just you know sighing
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah
1: we just did a music video and they requested i bring that and it's we it was in atlanta um they requested i bring the hollow body bass for the look and it nice. was the most nerve-wracking trap. Like yeah, the case yeah. sucks because it's from the and it's like you can hear it smacking the side of the case <laughs> even when you're walking with it. It's it's. Oh, man. I
0: you're will never. I will never travel with that again. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. So what? Let's let's go to what do you have out with you right now? Like when when you
2: go, like what are you, what are you reaching for on the stage? I have my main base is. I'm really into the... Are you guys aware of the like Fullerton-era Fender P-Basses? Um, actually, Fender... So in 1982, 1983, Fender, their reputation, specifically with basses, was really bad um, because of some quality control stuff. And you can see that with 70s Fenders. If you go into a, a music store and you pick up like a 70s P-Bass... It could be incredible. It could also right. weigh like nineteen pounds and be have a bow neck and just sort of have right. a, a, some dead frets and stuff um and this is kind of when Japan was like, yep, Japan was starting to come on the scene as well, and uh i don't have I don't have like the full history of it but basically in eighty two They were like, we're we're going back to the drawing board. That's when the first uh, vintage reissue series was ever. Cool. So that so the American Vintage Reissue series started in 1982, and if you find one, fucking grab it (laughs) because (laughs)
1: they're
2: they're starting to uh, skyrocket in value already. But um, they're just incredible. They're as good as the '60s stuff, and they're but you know they're in better shape because they're. 20 years younger um yeah and so i have a couple of those the p bases and uh, one's here behind me you can sort of see it uh, hanging on my svt mm-hmm. uh, and another one is uh in our touring package and then i also have a another vintage reissue from 2001 which is the white base that's on the back of deeper understanding that i've that's like my oldest and i i got that in 2001 and i've mm-hmm. it. People always think it is like a base from the '60s because I just beat yeah. the hell out of it. It's got cigarette burns and gashes, and mm-hmm. you know, big parts of the finish are worn off just from sweat. Um, is that nitro? Do you? Know? It is a nitro. Yeah. Uh, Which is the one that that checks over time? Is that nitro? Nitro. I don't, yeah. Poly no, is the, kind of
1: the newer ones.
2: Yeah. I, the The Fullertons are nitro. the yeah. The one I have, the two thousand, is is a poly because it doesn't check. Mm-hmm it is it is wearing away yeah. <laughs> completely there's just like bald spots on the back of it
1: yeah um, i was just telling nick uh i think i'd saw that. i thought it was an american standard or something like that but i was like maybe you said it in an interview or something. i don't know but i was like that's the first non-nitro finish i've ever seen someone literally just like putting the work in yeah. and yeah. like actually looking cool like all these people that are like Oh, your poly stuff, will yeah. never look cool if you you know you got to age it because it'll never look cool if you just play it you're like you have a testament to <laughs> yeah well work it, it,
2: it was it was definitely a hard road for it and one thing i've learned is that the festival uh gigs count for like a hundred mm-hmm. <laughs> gigs in a in a club or or uh, because the sun and then the sweat mm-hmm. You know, in the extreme temperature changes of playing, especially earlier in the drugs crew, we we're playing like early afternoon festival slots. Mm-hmm. So you're like the full sun and you're just like drenched yeah. in sweat and it's all dripping down the base. And then, uh, it, you know, it gets grime all over it. So I think all those festivals we did really beat that base up. Um, I need, it needs some work. I think I want to bring that back as my like number one, mm. for whatever reason, it's light as a feather. I mean, I which feathers. I think is which is the best. I think mm-hmm. if you pick up a P-bass or a bass in general and you're like, "Oh my god, this is so light." Yeah. This is just a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um it's a good sign for your back, but also just tonally it's a good sign. Um and uh, uh this thing's really light, but the frets are starting, I mean, again, the frets are almost worn off. It's like they're like little, they're like micro frets. <laughs> That's um, awesome. So, uh yeah, it's uh that's my other one. I have a fretless that I play live as well, which is a Fender. It's actually a, a Tony Franklin signature. It's like got the it's like a black pickguard, black body, and then uh, rosewood fingerboard. So it's like black, black, black. It looks really cool.
1: cool.
2: There's no there's no fret lines on it, which has forced me to become better with my intonation, which has been a journey. Um, I'm trying to think if there's a fourth bass that I travel with. That that fearless
1: comment's really important too because I saw you guys last year in Louisville, Kentucky, and cool. I I'm not gonna say there was no face light used, but there was almost no face light used the whole night, which was so cool. But you were playing in the dark. I mean, you're all backlit yeah. all the time. Yeah. On yep, on this tour, at least. Yep,
2: yeah, moody. Yeah, moody lights, vibey, and yeah. It's sometimes there's a couple tracks like. Like thinking of a place, which we often play towards the end of the set. Mm-hmm. That's like fretless, and it's got a couple. It's pretty minimal line, but there's a couple big fills. And our front, our our LD lighting director Ben sometimes he'll just like black the stage out. And I'm like, dude, I can't <laughs> see. I cannot see the frets. <laughs> uh, and he he will talk later and we'll we'll joke about it. But I've had that's I've had to use my ears, or like sometimes I'm literally like putting my head down yeah. to the trying to find, cause I'm up high on some of those So the degree when you're up higher on the, on the fretboard with a fretless the degree of errors,
1: those notes come faster.
2: Yeah. They come faster. <laughs> so
1: yeah,
2: anyway.
1: dude. that, uh, what's funny is my wife was telling me before this, she was like, she said, are you going to tell him how many times you looked at me and said, I think this is the best show I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes, <laughs> legitimately. Awesome. Uh, might have been the best live show I have ever seen in my entire into- oh, like, From so the lighting to design to, you, you know, you guys were pretty COVID conscious, so you had no opener, and so you walked out and played freaking three hours, yeah, and like just went for it. It was awesome, 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 awesome.
0: Yeah, that'll go down as the best show I didn't see. Yeah, I'm I, like kicking myself for not going up there. I might have even. I asked a lot of people. I was like, "You
1: guys got to go with me. You guys got to go with me. This is going to be so good." And it absolutely was, especially. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> this is random. Uh, the way geeking out about your lighting designer. Um, I did a little bit of light design at at a place I worked for a while, but it's like he was using. Uh, it was like layers, almost like walls mm, yeah. of light, and um, it <laughs> it reminds me of like Star Wars, like the prequels, where the di- where he's like it's all, it's like the blue wall and he can't yep. like walk across the wall. Cause like Darth Maul and whatever the other dude's name. <laughs> oh, yeah. like, and he yeah, like can't understand. walk, but the it was like layers passing in and out over yep. it the whole time. It was so beautiful.
2: And then yeah, he's a genius. Ben Silverstein got us, got to shout him out. He's, he's a real, he's been with us for a long, long time. And he just is so responsive to the, the music and it's, it's just be has become this really fruitful symbiotic relationship where he just gets inside the music with us and reacts and it's, it's, it's amazing. He's I'm, so I'm really pleased to hear you say that.
1: Yeah, dude, I was pretty, I was geeking out really from everything, but like the lighting design blew me away and the front of house mix. Like yeah. he's got all the SSL stuff back there. It sounds so clear. I wear, I keep earplugs in my pocket like all the uh-huh. time. I'm that guy. Sure. And I took my earplugs out on the second song and was like, oh, this good. is like perfect. Perfect mixed territory. Oh, awesome. Uh, yeah, it he's, was a, just he's pleasing to listen to. And then there's that one song. I don't remember which one it is. Um, but the drummer, uh Charlie, is that his name?
2: Yep. Charlie Hall.
1: He's uh you've got like a stereo mic on the hi-hat, and so he's doing this number. And then, like, front of house dude freaking hits the spread knob, like, in the middle of oh, it. And it's so like good. it zooms to the back of the PA, yeah. and it's behind you. And I'm like, am I the only one here that this is amazing?
2: <laughs> awesome. It's like, it's like Dolby Atmos.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. It was so cool. Um, That's awesome. Was that at uh, Old Foresters? Old Foresters. Nice. Yeah, nice. Which, yeah was, that was a fun, was a fun one. Fun, I remember that show. Fun video. Yeah, it was raining, too, so my mm-hmm. record got drenched. But, you know, oh, no. it happens. <laughs> That's That's the memory all over it, you know?
2: That's right. You'll remember it when you see it warped in your collection.
1: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Jumping back to the SVT thing. So I recently Uh got an SVT, and so now you have to go through the, like, man, this sucks to carry. Man, this uh, is really fragile. Um, All the great things that come with Cool Tone. Um, Have you learned anything about caring for them or... You know, how to get around some of the fussiness or or what that looks like for you.
2: Well, my advice is to not travel with an old SVT, which <laughs> uh, um, is, <laughs> right. I hate to say that. I mean, you can see my, my 73 is right behind me because it has been retired from the road. Nice. Um, I have two of those. Now, Ampeg has made these new, they're called the the Heritage Series SVTs and they're great. They're really good. And I bought two of them because um you know, my last one would die. <laughs> yeah. So <much>. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I was spending a lot of money on tubes just mm-hmm. it, it, we frayed our gear all over the world. So you mm-hmm. we'd roll up to a venue in, I don't know, Amsterdam or something and the SVT wouldn't fire up um and we were just spending a lot of time with local techs and stuff getting it fixed and we just kind of decided not to do that anymore mm-hmm. and then I got so I got two of these and I never had to use the backup a single time in 120 shows so that's awesome the new ones are rock solid yeah and they're great they have two channels one channel's uh uh the the 69 blue line mm-hmm. with uh and the other channel's like the Magnavox era black line uh gotcha. which is till I use both of them actually simultaneously you jump, you're um, jumping them? I'm not, actually. I run... Uh, I use this pedal here. I have it right here. This is my favorite pedal, I think, in the world.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm um, crazy looking. Something about you guys would use it to, like, I don't know, to do your ambient swell stuff? Or Yeah, it's
2: all the ambient stuff. Um, I have to use some, like, EQ and some modulation with it. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, it's incredible. And so I use this and I send it to the second channel. Uh, um, but for, yeah, I do, like, there's a ton of... People probably don't realize that it's bass during the show because it doesn't really sound like bass. It sounds like synth swells and stuff. But that that pedal is uh, it's made by Game Changer. Nice. It's called the Plus Sustain Pedal. And so, yeah, I'm using that on the on the channel too. But as far as, as, as traveling with an old SVT, it sucks. It's... They're... And it sucks too, because that 73 is like the best sound I've ever heard. I mean, when when it was working, it had almost like a it almost it just like felt different. It almost felt like someone like pressing you in the back with two palms of their hands. It was just this, you know, right in the chest, uh, sound to it and so much power and just the right amount of saturation and and kind of hair on the tone. But uh, you know, you can only retube an amp so many times on tour. Uh, yeah. Yeah. before and, and the heritage is right there with it. It's it's really good. So um you know it's if awesome you to
1: hear too that it hasn't, you know, it hasn't at least if you're gonna carry that weight, that it be reliable, you know.
2: Totally. Yeah, really reliable. Um and yeah, of course we just I mean, we've discussed like so many there's a lot of bands that don't have amps anymore at all. True. I mean, there's bands that don't have guitars either, but, right, sure. but even there's bands that have a bunch of guitars and then yeah, they're using Kempers or whatever, um, or their amps are in boxes somewhere off stage. Yeah. Um, and we, we don't want to do that. You know, we've, we've toyed with that idea because it would certainly make our front of house guy probably a little happier because it just sure. adds more, more element of control mm-hmm. to the, mm-hmm. from them from us to, to our guy, Matthew out front, but we just like I don't know, there's something there's like a purity to to it with us for having the amps behind you and, and being able to hear them and feel them, mm. and, you know, hitting the backs of your legs or hitting you in the back.
1: It's kind of the so, magic too, where it's like the music we're listening to live right now is like a feat of human engineering. Where you're like there are things that could go wrong at any second. <laughs> it's just sure. like riding the lightning.
2: Yeah. And I mean, gosh, there's so many uh, bands that, and I don't, I don't necessarily knock them for doing this, but there's bands out there who are using like all the drums are triggered. Even if they're playing drums, they have Mm -hmm. triggers on the drums and everything's a Kemper or some kind of uh, emulation. Um, And there's a lot of tracks on a laptop Mm -hmm. and that's just kind of reality of of music and live music now. And Mm -hmm. I, I don't, that's fine. I don't, Whatever whatever gets you there, I, I don't judge those bands, but we are very proud that we don't do that. And I've seen people accuse us of using tr- backing tracks, and I get very pissed off because <laughs> they don't understand the lengths that we've gone to to not use backing tracks. Now, we do use um drum machines because that's what we right. record with drum machines. Yeah. Um and Adam has a series of these pedals to trigger um various types of like the the you can fly a hi hat in or a snare in right. Or right. kick in because we have a lot of like 707 and Lindrum stuff that is recorded with Charlie or whoever mm-hmm. um on the records. So but we went to great lengths to not use any you know we just like don't want a laptop up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to use Ableton. Uh we we run MIDI all over the stage. So yeah. there's stuff being triggered through MIDI, you know, like more stuff that's being like quantized and locked. You know, I Anthony and I have trem pedals that are uh that at any time we can hit these trem pedals and they lock to the drum machine. Uh, yeah, which is so awesome. Th- yeah, it's a pretty amazing effect when on that song Victim, when we play it. We can hit those, and it's just like go, 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 go. Yeah. and it locks it locks with the with the tempo of the track. But it's like no, we're not using a backing track. So I understand why people maybe maybe it's like a, a compliment that they saw us and they're like they're well, using backing tracks.
1: Yeah, don't get pissed off at me. I sat there trying to. Fi- I thought the acoustic guitar was tracked. Yeah, and I'm watching him play it, and I kept sa- I was like, he's playing it. It sounds tracked. It sounds tracked. And I keep looking around, and it was just like. Too good's not the right word, but it sounded fidelity-wise maybe better than anything I've ever heard live. Like,
2: well, I also, I needed, I, I'm I such a, I'm so enamored with Anthony's acoustic playing. Oh he, my gosh. Like when he plays acoustic, we call him like, he's one of the best drummers in the world on acoustic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, because yeah. like, he'll be playing acoustic and I'm like, he is, I mean, it's like a, a fucking car flying down the highway. I mean, it's, he's so, so so good at acoustic guitar and, and just in strumming. I mean, he's just like strumming the shit out of it. And, and you know, so.
1: And yeah, his technique has to be just insane because like it, it sounded very SSL as in like Mm -hmm. that certain high end air thing, that certain clarity. And it, it, It was like perfect. I don't know. Yeah. No. He's. I
2: mean, he's an outrageous musician. Like. I mean, he also is is one of the best drummers in the world as a drummer, and he doesn't play drums in our band. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's a. He's a. I mean, I could say. I could say a lot of complimentary things about everybody on that stage. Yeah. But it's fun to pick him out, Anthony, because he's so unassuming and doesn't get a lot of spotlight. Um, He's. You know, he's a very humble guy and he does a lot of stuff that you don't, it's not very flashy and you don't really notice it necessarily. If you're like a drunk, if you're like a drunk fan, just like that wants to hear red eyes or something, which by the way, that's nothing wrong with that. But if you're like a quote unquote casual, um, you wouldn't probably, Anthony wouldn't be the first person you notice maybe, but Mm -hmm. he, he is just an outrageous player and he does so many little things that like if you were to mute his channels on stage you would just be like what's missing like there's there's something that's just not popping anymore
1: yeah it's not locked in there's but yeah it's like taking away the hi-hat
2: yeah exactly or the bass for that matter right, yeah
1: <laughs> i i feel like uh that's kind of the magic in your band is that everything is so wonderfully understated um the whole time it's just like it's just going it's just rhythmic and it goes mm-hmm. and it's you could sit there and just listen to it and not not maybe turn your head on very much but like I um I'm I talking about there's one song you have on the last album that's like a tremolo is like almost over the entire mix just da- 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 yeah, da- that's, da- da- da-
2: that's victim yeah that's the one where we use we used our lock, locking we use our locking trem pedals everybody's using them they're all locked to the tempo.
1: Yeah, it's but it's so smooth at the same. It's uh-huh. I don't know. There's something about it that doesn't feel like you're taking me like this the whole time, like yeah. in a in a bad way. It's no, just, for sure. It's just such a tasteful use of color and effects. It, it seems like it paints
2: the whole band. Oh, that's uh, awesome! Thank you. Yeah, uh, before we a lot of that is uh, just wanted to comment on that I think that's the krautrock influence on the band because I think a lot of times you'll see people be like springsteen inflected rock band or something or people will point out like the dylan Mm -hmm. influence or the or the springsteen influence or neil young or something and that's all in there no doubt like huge we're huge acolytes of those artists but the but it's kind of like half that and half crowd rock yeah you know the crowd rock thing is like you hold a groove and you do not you do not embellish it at times. You know, like you that's like the whole thing is you like you get into the right lane and you're going 65 and you hit cruise control and you do not touch the accelerator or the brake. And it's like a hypno is sort of a hypnotic thing. And that's a huge part of that. That's not something that those other artists do.
1: It takes so, so much discipline too. Like it's easy uh, to throw in a fill. It's easy to what, I, but like
2: mm-hmm.
1: you've got 20 freaking people on that stage, and everyone is just freaking rock, yeah. you
2: know, it's fun too. I will say it's really fun to get locked in. And actually I'm probably the one person <laughs> who strays from that sometimes. Cause like for whatever reason, it feels like I have a green light to, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, cause, cause it's
2: like, cause nobody's really improvising up there except Adam. He's uh-huh. improvising basically the whole time on guitar, like a genius, but yeah. I'm also, but also I, <laughs> I definitely, have nights where I'm just like chasing the dragon for sure. Uh And there's some nights where I'm like, oh man, I'm going to stay in the pocket and do absolutely nothing except pocket playing. And there's other nights where I'm just want to fly around and, and, and it feels like I can do that and it serves the music somehow.
0: (laughs) That's what keeps it fun though. That's
2: nice. Oh yeah. I love it. I definitely have a good job.
0: We
1: were just, uh, this is before I had a podcast or any reason to talk to bass players I love at all, but I, I like messaged you. I think you guys came out with the live album, I don't know, like a year ago, maybe. It's mm-hmm. like the uh, black cover, but you have yep. one bass lick in, like it's like extended guitar solo area, and then you do this triplet, like, <laughs> like in the middle, out of nowhere. <laughs> That's and it's, funny. It's the funnest. That's to cool.
2: Oh uh, yeah. That's uh yeah, there's, there's, I get in there sometimes for sure. <laughs> I can uh, get down. <laughs> and, and, yeah, I can definitely get down. It's fun to, uh, it's fun to kind of go either way. And like, hopefully when you listen to our, if you were to go through, we record all the shows. We have a right. massive archive and, you know, you could probably find nights where it's just very minimal playing. Cause there's something, a lot of my favorite bass players are like that. And there's definitely nights where, it sounds caffeinated bass. So that one, I think that might, might, might be strangest thing. Cause sometimes I'll start flying around on the end of that one.
1: Um, so before, before we wrap up, try, try to get some other, do you have any like creature comfort or like road hack kind of things that just makes your life easier, uh, while you're traveling or like, for me, (laughs) this is weird. I have like, this specific stupid great smelling deodorant that I'm like this is my safety blanket. I know like if I have a shower and I yep. smell like this, I feel good. You know what's yeah. what's your thing?
2: A lot of things, um, and it's funny I could tell you about everybody else's things. You really learn a lot about your and their their like creature comforts or their safety blankets as you yeah. call them. Um, you know, coffee is a big one because. Coffee. It's just ritualistic, and rituals are important, especially on tour when you're in a different place every day. You want something that is controlled, and it's mm-hmm. your same. So we Do make you have a lot coffee of coffee setup. Yeah, I mean, we have our kind of an, a very ridiculous coffee situation. That That's what I would hope so. for. This
1: is yeah. great. This is what we wanted.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have just a whole production case full of coffee accoutrement cool. that we that we travel with and. A, <laughs> It's a lot. It's the source of a lot of laughter because we also have a grinder, a uh, coffee grinder that we got in Norway, nice. and it's the, supposedly the best coffee grinder in the world. If it is or not, I'm not sure. But, <laughs> it, but of course, it runs on 220 power. Right, so I was about
1: to say to, how you power. I have a
2: step down transformer to use our, our roofly coffee maker, our coffee grinder. So, are you, are you guys um,
1: espresso guys or like pour over or all yeah, of it? Pour over
2: and uh. AeroPress, pour over, oh, not cool. much espresso, but AeroPress. we do, yeah. yeah, I think mostly pour over, but, but we've, we've, we, I feel like we've dabbled with every possible, yeah. uh, every possible caffeine delivery system we that got, there is uh, out there.
1: We I got one of those flare things that you like press the espresso down. Oh yeah. Down. Um, That's my yeah, latest. Great. It's, it's great if you need a hobby. Like, cause it's, you're just gonna be tweaking it and like just sitting there looking at the
2: uh-huh. numbers and the weight and uh huh yeah we get into all that and we also mock ourselves while we're doing it you yes, know we're I like what's the point of all this self aware yeah very self aware that the, it's ridiculous <laughs> but uh I'm laughing just thinking about the jokes that never end with it but yeah I mean there's a bunch of stuff you know um I I mean I actually. Exercise is a huge one for all of us. Mm-hmm. I think just cause we're kind of always fighting, you know, any kind of malaise or like jet lag or, you know, honestly just like COVID and stuff. You just trying mm-hmm. to like care mm-hmm. yourself to keep going. Um, but those, but, but coffee is probably the biggest one. It used to be like, I was a pinball chaser, nice. um, where everywhere I'd go, I'd try to find pinball and play it because it's a good way to get off the screen, mm-hmm. but also how ha- it kind of scratches the screen itch. Cause you're, Cool. It's the screen is your enemy backstage because you have few you know you have 4 hours before the show and you don't really want to you know you don't know what to do you don't want to like wear yourself out you're trying to preserve and it's like you have this little computer in your pocket so the pinball was great for like kind of scratching the fidgety itch but once covid had happened finding a bar with a pinball machine it was not necessarily the best thing anymore right. unfortunately so that that's kind of been put on the back burner a little bit
0: yeah yeah what
1: (laughs) yeah uh coffee's big for me because i'm i'm diabetic and so it's like what's the one thing that i can love that has no sugar on it that i don't have to really think about
2: Uh, yeah that's the same reason i love it it's like you get older you know i'm 42 and it's like i don't drink that much anymore i don't smoke pot that much anymore if at all. And, you know, when you're young, it's a different thing. And then the older I get, the more like sort of my vices are kind of just fading away. Mm. And it's like, you will not take this one from me. It is not a vice. (laughs) Right. Totally. If anything, I'm just, I'm leaning more and more into it. You know, it's the one that's like replacing all the other things.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I guess last thing, what, what are you into right now? What are you listening to? What inspires you?
2: I mean, I could probably think of a uh, a cooler answer, but if I'm being totally honest,
1: no cool answer. We don't want the cool answer. No, no cool. cool answer uh, I've been,
2: I have been on a, and this is a huge part of also like w- involving my kids, but like there has been a massive amount of ABBA blasting around our house. Yeah. Over cool. and and I've just been sitting back, and I'm like, these are these songs are kind of miracles. I mean, as far as just from a pop.
0: Uh-huh. Oh yeah.
2: Standpoint. And also I love that, you know, this is pre uh auto-tune, pre sure. gridded, oh, yeah. gridded recording. So you hear this stuff and it's just like so miraculously shimmery and poppy and the yeah, I agree. And the chord moves are you know, I'm I'm a huge sucker for a good chord, like a, a clever chord progression. And um I grew up, I guess with ABBA and my, my parents listen to ABBA a lot, but then, you know, you get older and you, there's just so many other kinds of music that you absorb. And the other day I was at a coffee shop and I heard that song, chick, I think it's called. And I was like, well, this might be one of the best pop songs I've ever heard. And I went home and I played it and my, my kids are just like sprinting around the house, like maniacs when you put this stuff on. So there's like the fact that it can appeal to my like sort of analytical 42 year old, Musician brain, and then my my one and a half year old is just like sprinting around like a, a complete maniac, reacting to this music. It's very like lowbrow, highbrow for me. So that's like the that. recorded
1: joy. It's just like an emotion of happiness.
2: It really is, and it's so. I don't know. It's just something about it. I'm, I've been really, and I'm sure I'll probably I'll probably like wear it out because it's so poppy that. I think you can bet you could probably get sick of it. Sure. Uh, it's a strong flavor, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But right now, I, it's been every day with my kids in the car or in, or in the kitchen. And they just, I mean, they just love it. My one year old can sing Mama Mia, you know, it's crazy. Nice,
0: yeah. That's so fun.
2: Yeah. And there's some gr- killer bass lines actually as well. I, I need to look up. I've been wanting to, as I'm listening, I'm like, I wonder if there's any like recording you know behind the scenes right. footage of how they made these because it's obviously like wild perfectionism and hi-fi recording you know this you don't you don't accidentally make this many pop songs that are that sure. good right. it's it's like a lab it's a lab yeah. approach for sure man so, this I'm,
1: this reminds me just to circle back super quick for the nightland stuff uh uh-huh. what what are you using to get your Wonderful layered vocals. Like I'm not saying there's some like secret trick or whatever. It's just a bunch of vocals, but it sounds so good. What mic are you using? What philosophy are you trying to use as you record that kind of thing?
2: Well, I'm using this mic a lot. This S M Seven. Yeah. Um. Hey. Uh. I mean, honestly, I've just been working at it for a long time, like over ten years, and that's the when I do Nightline stuff, I just chase. The blend. I'm chasing mm-hmm. the stacks. That's just, I'm really fascinated by it. And I'm fascinated by like the beach boys and ABBA, I guess I'm learning. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't yeah. was, I didn't realize that was uh, spinning around in my head, but it is. Um, and, uh, it's not easy. That's one thing. It's like, there's no recipe for it. Um, but I do a lot of layering. I use a four fourteen as well. Uh, I, it's compression is really important and how much and not too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, sometimes it works great. Sometimes I'm like, this isn't sitting well. And I tweak with, uh, you know, I mess with it for f- fucking two years until I get it right. Um,
1: something about two the amount of tracks you had would like crash your sessions.
2: Oh yeah. Like yeah. I mean, definitely like every, every album I make which, uh, is more, it's like more than the last more, awesome. more layers. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm sure this I'm sure I'll push into like the four digits on on this new record when i'm when all is said and done, but I love it i mean yeah. and one thing I've been really interested lately is like unison layering as well, because I was really into stacks for years, and I love the sound of people singing together the same note, not no harmony, you know, just melody uh something I'm really interested in it as well, and Man, probably awesome. more more of that on this next record.
1: Anybody uh who's listening that's a fan of the yeah, the Beach Boys inspired, uh really colorful, like not psychedelic, but psychedelic like the uh-huh. the kind of layery approach to music. Like the your latest album, uh remind me of the name.
0: Moon Moonshine.
2: It's called Moonshine, yeah. It's based yeah. on that Moonshine for a second. Yep. Moonshine
1: is great.
2: And thank you.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. really underappreciated Because I listened to it and I'm like, this is not a bass player gets a vacation, makes a side project <laughs> kind of act like this is a real artistic yeah. vulnerable statement. So oh, well, it's thank
2: awesome. You. Yeah. I put a lot of I pour a lot of myself into it and it's uh Yeah, I don't know. I feel lucky. I feel lucky that I get to do those, you know, and I'm I'm eager for sure to to do another one.
1: Yeah. Sick man, well. Thank you so much Thank for you. Uh, even taking really, the time. A real
2: pleasure. Time to sit down. Um, yeah, we'll have to uh, have a coffee next time we're in the same place. We'll, <laughs> heck yeah, we'll come, man! Come there, do a show,
1: Lexington, uh, Kentucky. You got to make it here. I mean, I'll still drive to Louisville. I was uh, say we're yeah. to we're see in a
0: guys. we're in a good place that we're like close to yeah, like four cities that yeah. we can basically uh-huh. go to Nashville, Columbus, Indianapolis, Louisville, Cincinnati, all that. So yeah. we'll, we'll we'll come yeah. say hey, we'll bring you some coffee. Yeah. Whenever Asheville gets too bad and the property prices get even worse,
1: Lexington uh, does not have the infrastructure to get that big. So it's always like right. housing market underperforms. Uh, so like so uh, like, I could buy a house when I was like 23. <laughs> so it's great. Co- I'll keep that in up.
2: mind. So, but yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to have a hang. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward next to Next time it, we play, play in that zone.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, and, well, and- thanks so much. And, uh, yeah we'll catch you around absolutely awesome
2: great talking to you guys